Out of the Bottle. We discuss Londoner Graham Webb's amazing journey from a 15-year-old dropout with spina bifida to a successful entrepreneur in the global multi-billion dollar hair industry. This is episode three. In 2000, Northbrook School in London wrote this blurb about its guest of honor. Presented to Graham Webb for outstanding lifetime achievement in recognition of his services to commerce, industry, and education. Graham, you must have been an outstanding student to earn such effusive praise. Actually, I dropped out of school at age 15. They did all they could to encourage me to leave. My final school report read, makes no effort, lazy, silly, bone idle, and apparently content to remain so. But you know... I was like Mark Twain. I never let school get in the way of my education. Now, Graham, turning to the book and our conversation, when people approach you for advice about starting a new business, what are your thoughts in terms of financing? Is it best for people to approach banks for their initial loans to make their their vision a reality? Well, I think most entrepreneurs, or certainly new people, young people trying to go into business, probably don't even see themselves as an entrepreneur, but their personality may well not uh, fit completely with the banker. We can often have uh, different sort of personalities. And uh, in hindsight, I would always recommend somebody going to give the presentation with you who was a financer or is a financier, they'd have a much more comfortable way of um, answering questions or delivering the message to their fellow financier than the young person sitting there with uh, his or her toes curled up. Of course, the young entrepreneur or the entrepreneur would need to be there too, but... um, you r- rather more injecting things into the conversation rather than uh, getting too deep in the difficult questions. But in your case, you decided not to proceed with a traditional small business bank loan or venture capital, but instead to use private financing. Yeah, when I first started in business, it was probably my lack of confidence thinking that anybody would actually lend me the money And sharing uh, my opportunity with uh, Uncle Les, um, he very kindly came up with the idea that as long as he could get a return on the monies uh, equal to what he would receive from his savings, then um, why not lend it to me instead of sticking it in the bank? Of course, there was a risk in him doing that, but I was able to honour that and it was obviously a lot less than a bank would have charged me on a retail basis. Are there any downsides to bringing in financing from a family member? It sounds like it might create some strained relations at times. Well, Uncle Les wasn't uh, bothered about looking at weekly accounts or monthly figures, and um, uh, he just, you know trusted me to every time I told him things were moving in the right direction that was good enough for him particularly 
when I honoured each monthly payment to him. So he could, that was really his main interest. Aha, well, that makes sense. Why don't we ask if you could read us the, from the book, that section where you talk about finding an opportunity to start your own business. Yeah, great. I've always been ready to jump at an opportunity, wherever or whenever it comes. I hadn't planned to be a travelling rice pudding salesman, but when the opportunity came, I jumped at it. I hadn't planned to leave the company, but when I had the chance encounter with the Weller area manager at a hotel bar in the Midlands of England, I took advantage of it. And now, Soon after getting my pay raise, my parents casually mentioned that a flower shop in Lee Green, South London, was reducing from two adjoining shops to one. They knew Norman Hardiman, the owner, and he told my dad that if I wanted to start a business there, he could give me a good deal on the rent. I really hadn't planned to go into business for myself, at least not then. But now, this was an opportunity. The flower shop was in a prominent location, right on Lee Green Crossroads, and there was always a queue of cars outside, waiting at the traffic lights. There's no better advertising than a four-way traffic light in front of a business. Cars would have to idle there for minutes, and their driver's eyes would invariably take in this location. I'd wanted to open in trendy Blackheath Village, just a mile or so away, where a yet-to-become-famous clothes designer named Jeff Banks had opened his first little shop called Clobber. But the rents in Blackheath were beyond me, and my new landlord was about to help me with a special rate. And so instantly... When other people might have been content to savour their rays, I was thinking of ways I could move into that flower shop. Seeing places like Sweeney's had put the bug in me. I'd have the funkiest hairdressing salon on the edge of London, turning the less-than-fashionable Lee Green suburb into the epicentre of cool. Of course, I had absolutely no money saved and turning the empty flower shop into a salon would take a lot of construction work before I could open the door for business. Enter Uncle Les. I haven't mentioned anything about Les Jupp yet, a man who I called Uncle Les, even though he wasn't my uncle. But I doubt I'd be where I am today if it hadn't been for him, because he's been a kind of angel in my life, as well as a dear friend of my parents. He was a prudential insurance agent who, before I was born, had a flat near where my parents lived. He and his wife had become friends with my parents, playing cards together on weekends. And when my parents' flat was bombed during the Second World War, Les rented his flat to my parents, and he and his wife moved elsewhere. He was my parents' landlord, but also became their best friend, especially after Les's wife Peggy 
died of a brain tumour, leaving him alone and childless. Uncle Les was a ubiquitous presence, and in many ways I became the child he never had. My father was too hobbled with rheumatoid arthritis to play football with me, so Les would take me outside to kick a ball around. I will always remember the 5am departures for long holiday journeys to Wales and Scotland. Les would drive us there in his Ford Anglia, since my family never had a car. To this day, when our family is about to drive off on holiday, I like to leave at 5am. It avoids the worst of the traffic, and in my own little way, it makes me remember Uncle Les. When my dad received his MBE honour from the Queen, it was Les's new Rover 90 car which we borrowed for the ride into Buckingham Palace. And when I mused to my parents about what I'd like to do with that empty flower shop, it was Les again who stepped forward, loaning me the money when no bank would. This is how I got started in business, not with a business plan submitted to an uninterested banker, but instead from the open generosity of a family friend. Les wasn't a rich man, but he had some money saved, and he lent me about £600 to get started. Today that would be around £6,434, or US 11580 I agreed to pay him the same interest that he would have received from his savings bank, which was still much cheaper than a bank loan to me, even if I had been able to obtain one. I was just 22 years old, and the thought of being my own boss really excited me. But things got off to a terrible start. The construction work I paid for with Uncle Les's money was completely botched. The contractor insisted on upfront payment and then failed to do the job properly, leaving me without money or a usable shop. And we didn't have a contract. Uncle Les stepped up again, coughing up more money for me, enough to get the salon finished with a different contractor. My men's salon was a reality. I bought good speakers through which to play music, antique chairs as barber chairs, and the sign across the front of the salon announced my arrival into the world of business. Graham's Web. It was my little web. Decades before the word would be associated with the cyber world of computers. In the phone book, it was Graham's Web, without the apostrophe, because it gave me a more advantageous position alphabetically. I had no business plan, no cash flow forecast, no real idea what it would take to survive and succeed in business, but I believed in myself. Those three years I'd spent succeeding in the world of sales had given me enough gumption to trust my abilities and the years I had spent as an employee at a hair salon had taught me that it suited my personality much more 
to be my own boss. I like to think that just one of the reasons we have such loyal staff now is partly due to my sensitivity to helping everyone grow to fulfil their own potential, whether that be as a stylist, manager, franchisee, or working overseas for our academies or product company. So I had all the motivation I needed to succeed. I had something else too. My own place to live. The shop had a loft above it. It wasn't really habitable. To get there you had to put a ladder up through a removable square ceiling tile. There was just enough room up there for a fold-up bed, which would have to be placed next to the big water tank that served the salon below. The only loo was in the salon, two floors below, so you'd have to use the ladder in the middle of the night. But it meant that I would be able to move out of my parents' flat where I had been living. It meant I was truly my own man. I would have a business of my own and above the salon a place of my own to live. My name would be right out there at the crossroads in Lee Green for everyone to see. My life, practically all aspects of it, had literally come to an intersection. For more information about purchasing Out of the Bottle, visit gramweb.co.uk. Proceeds from the sale of Out of the Bottle benefit a variety of charities, including those seeking to find a cure for spina bifida. Oh, 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 o